Iced tea. Go a cappella. Now I'm on the West Coast, relaxing and chill, living on the mead streets of Beverly Hill. I have I love I, it. You way better than a lot of rappers that are making yes. records right now. She is Olivia Munn. Drop my name as much as you can. By the way, I am a first-class name dropper. The great, legendary John Madden. And then on the phone, Steve Marriott. She's- <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the thing. You watch a guy. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is that? Mooch, how did you sniff that out so quickly? I sniffed that out. I sniffed that out. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. It's another edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, everybody. Thanks for joining us. The training camp season is just, just around the corner. It is going to open next week. One more week of football inactivity to get through, and thankfully, uh, we're going to get through it together. We're going to get through it together. Chris Brockman, uh, my trusty television podcast producer, is here. Chris Law, my my guy uh, on the NFL.com side of things, is on a vacation this week again. Lucky guy. And, uh, well, don't worry. He'll he'll be worked when he gets back here. <laughs> uh, TD on the other side of the glass here on loan from the Dave Damashek football program. As we established last week. As we established last week. Not TD, thanks, thanks for being part of the mix again. What's up, bud? Uh, on this show, Hall of Famer Warren Moon. Hall of Famer Warren freaking Moon. Love that guy when I was a kid. I love the run and shoot offense that the Oilers used to run. Always tried to emulate that in the backyard with my buddies. But think about how long he's been in the public eye too. He, I believe it was this in the '76 Rose Bowl. He beat Bo Schembechler and my Michigan Wolverines back in back in the mid '70s. Wow. And then he, of course, had to go to Canada for a few years. Right. To prove himself, because back in that day, um, let's be honest, it was just uh, being an African-American quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people who needed to see more, I guess, or didn't think he had the skills at the next level. And he's not only in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, but the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Does anyone the only throw, guy, by the way. Does anyone throw a better ball than Warren Moon? Uh, I mean, you know, that's one of those arguments. No, that I, you can I, have, I understand, but, but very pretty. I mean, it's crazy. And he is current. I mean, he is as current as anybody as well um, in in the NFL, who is in the Hall of Fame as well. Um, he's a, he's a Seahawk broadcaster. He does the color analysis for Seattle Seahawks games on the radio up there in the Pacific, beautiful Pacific Northwest. So we'll talk Seahawks with him. If you remember, he was he phoned into our podcast last year because he made some comments in regards to the scout that said that Cam Newton was fake. That his smile was fake. He he was really ticked off about that because he worked with Cam Newton mm-hmm. last uh, off season, which was truly put the off in off season. Right, and um, and oh. so he had some choice words for those who were, um, I guess, in his mind, tarring um, Cam Newton. Well, certainly Warren's gotten the last laugh there. So is Cam. So is after Cam. that season, uh, now with RG three was a guest on the podcast last week. I want to ask him what he thinks of this current Heisman Trophy winner with a superior skill set at the collegiate level like Cam Newton, how he will, moving forward, uh, do well in the National Football League. We'll ask that of Warren Moon, who also has his own sports marketing company as well that he's just started, and he's bringing in a helmet, right? A new right. helmet? A new, a new style helmet that uh, a guy from Harvard uh, helped create. A former Harvard quarterback, and then I guess he has two other degrees from two other different Ivy League institutions. It's called the Zenith Helmet, mm-hmm. spelled with an X, everybody. It's not the television. Uh, they're not wearing TVs on their heads to protect themselves. That would be odd. That would be and, very strange. Uh, so uh, there's, a, I guess, 150 players in the NFL are going to be wearing this helmet mm-hmm. coming up uh, this season. And we'll talk about that with Warren Moon. Also, also, Brian Anger. Your guy, Rich. Of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's your guy. The, the punter whose drafting caused me to sort of lose it on television. I mean, it was your third day of live TV. No, it was actually second. Was it day two? Yeah. It just felt like three it was days. Night. It, was, it, was, <laughs> it did. It was the third round, Friday night. Friday night. You know, and after it was mid-third round, so after, you can do the math, about well over 100 players had been drafted mm-hmm. at this point, or no, not even uh, close to 100 players had been drafted at this point. And I'm hearing the XO review of every single player from every single one of my analysts Mayock, Irvin, Mayock, Irvin, Mooch, Billick, Charles Davis, Marshall, nonstop, et cetera, et cetera. When a punter got drafted and Brian Anger got drafted, I had no idea. Now, we do not know who gets drafted ever. They never get in my ear, ever. 
Never getting Mayox here ever. That's a whole tipping picks thing. We right. never know. I had no idea that Brian Anger, a punter from Cal, was about to be drafted. So that was a genuine... Highest drafted punter since Todd Sauerbrunn in the mid-90s was drafted by the Bears. I had no idea. It was totally genuine. I lost it. Lost it. I said, I'm taking this thing over. It's great. Because punters are people, too. They are. They, punters they, are people, they too. They strap on their jocks and their shoulder pads like everybody else. Thank you for finishing that sentence. I wasn't going to do it, but then I just did. So, uh, Brian Anger is going to be on here, and I have a T-shirt for him. Ah. Yeah. Punters are people, too. That's great. Because I want him to wear that as he goes about his season. He has no idea. So that's all coming up here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Let's get to Warren Moon. Thrilled to have on the Rich Eisen Podcast right now a pro football Hall of Famer, not only in America, but also in Canada. <laughs> He's one of the all-time greats. that? An analyst on the Seahawks radio network. Also, the president and founder of Sports One Marketing here in beautiful Southern California, the one and only Warren Moon. How are you, Warren? I'm doing great, Rich. How about yourself, man? I am doing fine. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, please. Are you kidding huh? me? I, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you. I'm honored on. to be on your show. This is like your show, your little haven right my here. Little, my little shower curtain hey. that closes up. Here. Well, you know what? It goes out to everybody. That's I know all it, that matters. It, it repeats and rinses. That, that's <laughs> certainly what we do. Uh, you were part of one of my favorite all-time Hall of Fame classes. What a class. You, Aikman, Madden, the captain, Harry Carson, Rayfield Wright, and uh, the, late the late Reggie, Reggie White. Yes. And his uh, his um, his widow, Sarah, yes. was standing in for him, and she was phenomenal. It was a great class. It was an emotional time because of Reggie and also with with coach madden there with all he brings to the table with right. the storytelling and mm-hmm. the the buster talking to each other at night you know people will always remember what he when he talked about that so it was it was a great class to go in with and we made a commitment to try and go back every year to be a part of the induction ceremony every year and we've we haven't missed a, a beat in the last six years and so. we'll, we'll see you in canton right we'll see you and in, in, uh, in i look August. forward to it. it's a great weekend i'm on the board now so i, I'm you almost, are. I have to be there <laughs> you are mandated to be there what are you doing uh, on the board for the pro football uh, one of my main uh, focuses is trying to create more opportunities for the uh, the hall of famers that are out there that are struggling so to try and create more revenue opportunities for them whether it's through marketing or whether it's through uh, endorsement type deals things like that because a lot of those guys are out there that played many years ago really struggling financially and it's a shame for a guy that considered one of the best players in the world to be doing that. So I think we can do more with our brand in in the name of uh, the Hall of Fame to uh, create more revenue opportunities for these guys, whether it's appearances or whatever. What is it like for you to return to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Warren? You know, Rich, it's still, I still get excited every time just because I grew up watching a, a, a lot of those guys that are in there and idolized them, whether it's Bart Starr, whether it was uh, Roger Staubach or Joe Namath, is just to name a few quarterbacks, or or fearing Mean Joe Green or Jack Lambert or people like that. So when all of a sudden you're in the same room with these guys and they're shaking your hand and, and, and giving you a big hug or whatever because they haven't seen you in a while, it's great to know you're part of uh, a class like that, a, a special, special class of men that not only are great football players but great people, and, and you're considered one of them and did you ever think you'd be there never and I don't, I don't think there's any guy that comes into professional football thinking about the hall of fame if they if they were then they've got some ego problems you know just because you look at these guys as almost like not human you know that, that they're just a very special group of guys and when you come into the league you're just trying to make a team you're trying to hopefully have a great career or a long career and do what you can. And then the Hall of Fame is something that comes, you know, down the line and you have no control over it. So mm-hmm. um, it's great to be a part of these guys. There's no question about but it. But also the way that you got into the National Football League too, yeah. Martin. How you basically had a fight, scratch and claw, despite what you did at the collegiate level. I mean, what you did at the collegiate level these days, there'd be, you know, there'd be no, it's a no brainer for well, you to be. A National Football yeah. League quarterback, and perhaps one of the top-rated coming out of college, if not the top-rated coming out of college. And you had to go to Canada to prove your worth before coming to America, uh, back home, you know, and yeah. doing what you had to do. Well, there was a different time. You know, it was a different time in the 70s, and uh, there were different uh, 
thoughts about African-American quarterbacks, <clears throat> whether they could lead and do some of the other things that other quarterbacks do. And uh, you had to change some of those mindsets uh, of not only media and people like that, but also within the game of football, ownership, uh, general managers. You had to somehow change that thinking. And the only way you could do that is get an opportunity. And then once you got that opportunity, make the most of it. And then hopefully it would help that next group of guys that, that were coming in. And that's kind of what Doug Williams and Randall Cunningham and myself did during that time that we played during the 80s and 90s. Uh, we had some very, very good years. Uh, Doug winning a Super Bowl and, and an MVP award. Randall Cunningham, you know, a couple of MVP awards and uh, just a, 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 a electrifying type player. And then myself, I think just with consistency in that, I think that showed that African-Americans can play this game at the highest level. And uh, they could do everything that the other quarterbacks could do. So I think once we prove that, we open the doors for a whole bunch of other guys. I spoke to uh, RG3 earlier this week. What do you expect from him coming out of Baylor? You know what's going on in Washington, D.C. You know what that area is hoping for out of him. What do you think Robert Griffin III is going to look like in the NFL in 2012. There's a lot on his shoulders just because of what you said. There's so much expected of him, especially in Washington, because they're they're waiting for their Redskins to return, and they have they have been down the last few years. But this guy brings a lot of uh, inspiration. He brings a lot of talent. He brings a lot of class, and uh, I think he brings a lot of leadership to that organization. Something that they've needed at that position. So. Uh, it's just a matter of time. It's what you put around young quarterbacks that makes them successful. And if if uh, he has good talent around him to go along with a, a defense, which they have a pretty good defense, they're kind of a middle-of-the-road defense that I think can get better, mm-hmm. that's going to help him as he makes those rookie mistakes along the way. But he's going to make some exciting plays, too, and he's going to probably make a lot more of those than he does mistakes because he's such a student of the game. You were on this podcast last year. We phoned you up. We called you up when there was this whole Cam Newton <laughs> controversy, yeah. I guess is the only way to put it, going on where there was a, a scout basically said that he's fake right. and that uh, that he's not genuine, et cetera, et yeah, cetera, he couldn't et cetera. lead, that he, he couldn't uh, command a locker room, all these different things that they talked about. And the thing that I couldn't understand is where he got that information from because everybody that I talked to, and before I started working with him, I talked to a lot of different people because I wanted to know what I was getting into because I had heard all the stories about what happened in Florida and the recruiting situation with Mississippi State or whatever. So I wanted to know what I was getting involved in, even though I knew he was a great football player because I had seen that throughout that whole that whole year where mm-hmm. they went undefeated. Um and I got a chance to know him and his family, and, and I saw his work ethic, something that says, people said that he wouldn't do, he, he, that he wouldn't work hard. Um, I saw a guy that was passionate about what he did. I saw a guy that was more intelligent than people were giving him credit for. So I had no problem working with this guy because I felt like he was a cinch to be a star in this league if he wanted to do it. And I saw the I saw the want to in him. I saw how hard he worked that offseason, listened to everything that I had to say or whoever – he could uh, talk to, you know, he went and talked to a lot of other quarterbacks that were successful. So he did his homework and he's not, he's not so uh, into himself that he thinks he knows it all. He He's trying to get advice from everybody to become the best player that he can be. He knows what he doesn't know is what you're yes. saying. Yes. And he, you know, he said some things early in the process about wanting to be an icon and, and an entertainer, yeah, an but entertainer. so do I, and he is an you know, entertainer. I, mean, <laughs> I think we're all entertainers in sports, right? But, and I know what he meant by that, but some things you just can't say, uh, until a certain time, you know, and, right. and his, he kind of spoke out of turn and, and he, he learned from that. But what about 2012? Because there's two ways to look at this thing, right? Uh, you mentioned about what you saw in him in an offseason. Technically, I mean, he didn't even have one, right? Right. And and what he did last year was stupendous. Amazing. I mean, he was incredible. He broke some of Peyton Manning's rookie records and he became in many ways for fans also to um to attach themselves to him he was a fantasy football darling right he was a guy who when he got in the end zone had the whole superman thing and he had that smile on his face that did not look fake right at all and that's just him he was incredible so the question is now what now that he has had an off season now that he has had otas now that he will have training camp stands to reason now he's going to take a step forward or is it there there's a sophomore jinx there's a sophomore step back that he did set the bar so high that it would be almost impossible to advance 
further down the road in success. How do you see Cam Newton in 2012? Yeah, for him to come back and have another 4,000-yard season, I think it's <laughs> yeah. going to be uh, it's going to be tough to repeat. Not so much because he's not working this offseason because he was very disappointed in a lot of areas of his game. And that's something I like really what? liked about him. Like what? Some of the decision-making that he made, some of the things he could have did better in the red zone. Uh, he hated the fact that they only won six games. He's all about winning, and he's not used to losing. So those things frustrated him so much, even though you know he's throwing for 400 yards in his first two ball games or whatever. Um, so he wants to be better, and he wants to be better in a lot of different ways. He's, he studied all of his films, saw everything that he did wrong. So he can come back this year and be better, or also the league is going to know him better, too, and they're going to know how to defense him a little bit better. So there's going to be a give and take in there somewhere where he where he's going to improve in certain areas, but the league is going to catch up with him a little bit, too. You know how defensive coordinators are. They try and take away what you do best. Nobody knew what he did best last year because nobody knew what he could do. So now they kind of know what he does best, and I'm sure most teams will try and take that away, and that's where he's got to become a much better player and, and, and create some new things within his game. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. We had our top 100 series uh, for second straight year voted by the yeah. peers, the players voting on who's the best in the league. Breeze finished as the uh, the number two quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers. Bree- Brady was right behind mm-hmm. him. Rodgers, Breeze, Brady. Would you agree with that order? in terms of who's the best quarterback in the NFL You know, today? it's really hard to say who's the best quarterback. It depends on the criteria you're, you're working with. Are you looking at the guy that's won the most Super Bowls, the guy that has the most production, um, the guy who manages his team the best? All, all teams have something different that they want their quarterbacks to do, and you don't know what that, that, that list is rated on. And I think it, it was rated more on what those guys did in that one season, not what they did over their body of work. So if it was the body of work, I would have that, that list a little bit different but it's kind of hard to to um, to argue with the top five quarterbacks in mm-hmm. general because they're all really good. They could all be number one. They could all be number five, and nobody I think would would really have a whole lot to say. But you you I'm asking you as a Hall of Fame quarterback mm-hmm. and a guy who is as current as they get. You're sitting in the booth for the Seattle Seahawks. You see a bunch of teams each year, and I know just from hanging around a lot of Hall of Famers here, you guys all talk to each yeah. other. You're all plugged in. You know. You know some of the gossip that's going on in the NFL, too. You know what some guys deal with, what they don't deal with, what coaches are maybe saying, and what's maybe holding them down or holding them back. The quarterback that you would want to win a game, that's what I'm talking about. Right now, 2012, games on the line. You have been there. You have done that. You know the crucible of the National Football League. Who's the quarterback you choose? How can you go without Tom Brady? I mean, how can you? I mean, the guy's just done it so many different times. And he's carried his football team. He has. I don't think he plays on a great, talented football team, especially on the defensive side. You don't. And he's got some guys on offense that are okay offensively. He doesn't have great wide receivers. You don't he does think... have the great tight end, no question about it. What about Welker? Do you consider him a I great think Welker is, is very good for that offense. I don't know what Welker would do on another football team, but for what he does for them, very, very, very good player. Um, but Tom does so much of it on his own, not so much on his own, but the way he commands that offense. He, he keeps everybody calm. He knows where to go with the football. He gets it to them in a, in a, a manner where they can run with it after the catch. He makes quick decisions. Um, again, all those other guys, great. You know, no question about it. Aaron Rodgers has, has shown greatness at times. Uh, the same thing with uh, Drew Brees. But Tom just has done it over such a long period of time. It's kind of hard to go against him. What are you... What's your philosophy, or what, uh, let's put it this way, what's your reaction to the spread offenses in the NFL today? A guy who ran the run and mm. shoot for so many years. I, I, the fact that it's it, – it, is the run and shoot sort of making a comeback in a way? You know, it really is. A lot of the past concepts that you see are run and shoot type principles. Um, they just don't use four wide receivers. They'll use one of these big tight ends like a Gradkowski or or some of the other guys in this league that can run like wide receivers, but you have the big body out there that can catch it and also a guy that can block if you want to bring him inside and, and play like a true tight end. So I like to think we had a lot to do with uh, what the offenses are doing today in the NFL from what we did with the run and shoot, but no question you had to change some of that just because you you pretty much have to have a tight end out there most of the time mm-hmm. if you want to run the football. But you see people are spreading it out with four and five all the time and, and having fun with it. And that's the way the rules are gear, geared today. And you see these quarterbacks are throwing for a tremendous amount of yards. Would you be able to break Marino's record if you were in? Under center today, you think? I think Marino would break his record. All of us would have a field day today. The way the quarterback is protected, 
because we weren't protected that way. I mean, I was driven to the turf so many different times. I was hit late so many different times. These guys are taken care of back there now. And then the wide receivers, they have free reign once they get off that line of scrimmage. Once they're five yards down, they can get into their route. So it's really like pitch and catch out there. It's almost impossible if you have four or five good receivers to get four or five defensive backs that can match up with them. And all you got to do is find the mismatch, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, so is that what separates quarterbacks today? Because it – when you think about it, the way, as you said, that the quarterback is protected and the way that the receivers get off the line, you'd think you would think there would be better quarterback play in the league. You'd think that maybe instead of half, half the league having a really um, solid to Pro Bowl type quarterback, you'd think more than half the league would have that. But they don't. Well, but so a lot what, of those guys are young. And they're still finding their way. But you look at the number of guys that have thrown for over 4,000 yards in a season. It used to be, you know, a handful of guys would do that. Right. Now you got 11, 12, 13 guys throwing for over 4,000 and also over 5,000. You know, you had two guys over 5,000 yards. So um, there is pretty good quarterback play, especially with those top 10 or 12 guys. But there's a lot of another tier behind them that are really young and still trying to find their way. What about the uh, Seahawks this year then, Warren? Uh, we've got Tavares quarterbacks, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you've got to have a quarterback in this league and you don't have to have a Tom Brady or, or an Aaron Rodgers, but you've got to have a very uh, efficient quarterback and you've got to have a guy that can make big plays for you. They don't, they didn't have that last year. And that's one of the reasons why they dropped a couple of games. They probably could have won. They went out and got Matt Flynn because they think he's a guy that can help them. But Tavares now having a whole off season, also being healthy, he's, he's playing better right now. So they've got a quarterback, competition going on right there and that's something that you really don't want at this stage you want to know who your guy is at this stage. but that's pete carroll though always yeah. compete compete right. compete compete that's but, his but when philosophy Tavares came in last year he was given the job so it wasn't like a quarterback competition at at um at seattle last year but there is one this year and i don't necessarily agree with it but that's pete's philosophy and he wants to compete at every position but i think that position needs to be you're the guy. You're going to lead us until you can't lead us, and then we'll we'll make something else happen if that doesn't happen. So who should be the quarterback that gets that directive when it's all said and done, you think? It's really hard to say. I watched them all during OTAs and minicamp. Nobody really stepped out and said, this is my job. I'm going to take the reins. Even Russell Wilson, the young rookie, came in there and looked really good. But do you want to start the season with a rookie? So. If you don't have to, when you got two other veterans there that are, that are playing just as well, and, and he hasn't been in the big lights yet, those guys have at least played some, so they know what what the what the lights on are, are all about. So uh, I would think between Tavares and Matt, they brought Matt in to be the starter. That would be the guy that I'm I'm thinking it's going to eventually be. But if Tavares was a starter, it would not surprise me because he's really been playing well this offseason. He has, yes, no kidding, yeah. Well, I mean, there he's were doing some, things a little bit better right. than he did. He did before his like anticipation what? is better. Mm-hmm. Not holding the ball as long. I think he's learned his receivers a little bit more. So he's not he's not uh, holding on to the football. And that was one of the things that he didn't do well last year. Uh, and I don't know where that came from. I don't know if it was the injury of his shoulder, I and he wasn't sure about bringing the ball out early until receivers came out of their breaks or things like that. But he's doing a much better job of that. The anticipation is a big part of playing the quarterback position, especially if you don't have a strong arm. And that's what Matt Flynn does very well. doesn't have the strongest arm, but really anticipates well. And he has a great great swagger to him. He has great quarterback swagger. Very, very confident young man. Still the Niners division, though? Still the Niners division right now. And if... If Randy Moss is Randy Moss or close to, and and then Manningham, Boy. you've got you've got some more firepower over there. And don't forget LaMichael James. I mean, he yeah. uh, he can scare you. If I mean, in the ball the right way. They and well, here's the, here's the way I'm seeing it. Right. I mean, Frank Gore, Frank Gore, Brandon Jacobs, Frank Gore, Brandon Jacobs, Brandon mm-hmm. Jacobs. Oh, dink it out to James. Right. What happens then? Right. Right. Yeah. Or you know, throw it down. Vernon Davis, Mario Manning. They basically saw that offense last year. They won a lot on defense. Mm-hmm. They had the, the great special teams. Right. I think Akers just kicked his one millionth field goal, right? right? <laughs> and and they had a great punter, and they lost essentially on special teams in the NFC Championship game. They looked at that offense and thought, we gotta, we can't, we can't just ball control right. and defend our right. way back to where we were last exactly. year. 
The league is too hard to defend with the way the the rules are, are going right now. You got to be able to score, and they did a great job last year of winning a lot of close games. But maybe those games, the close ones, don't go their way this year. So you can't rely on close games anymore. Because, mm-hmm. like I like I said, you you uh, don't want to rely on that every week because it could go the other way. So they went out and got some firepower, and and I take my hat off to them for doing that because. They need to be able to score more, and I think uh, if Aaron Rodgers plays well again, it's going to come down to him. He played, you know, good enough football last year. Didn't turn the ball over, but didn't mm-hmm. have great numbers. But didn't turn the ball over. Alex Smith, for, excuse me, no problem. But that's what has to happen again this year, and I think he's got to play a little bit better this year than he played last. You think year. Alex Smith? Because it, after everything we've just discussed, it still does come down to whether Alex Smith doesn't it? can execute. Do you think? What we saw last year is the Alex Smith we're going to see from here on out. I hope you see a better Alex Smith. I think with the confidence that he got out of last year's season, you, you want to know how the, the offseason affected him with the whole Peyton Manning thing wow. and whether he feels right. like uh, he was respected or, or disrespected or not. But if he comes back and plays better, and he has better weapons to work with on the outside that, that should make him a better a quarterback, they're going to be tough to beat. But if he doesn't play well, then they're just going to be another – team with a great defense but he at least he was one of a dozen quarterbacks that got thrown under the number 18 bus yeah this offseason yeah. you know yeah. what i mean he yeah. wasn't just the only one but there were a lot how does this coach come out and say we weren't interested in Peyton manning That's I, a good I question. just don't know how you do that Boss Michigan guys, you know, <laughs> we have a different way of thinking. Yeah. You know, and that just shows you also how we can all get along. You know, I, I know you beat Michigan in the Rose Bowl back in the day. So, well, a lot of people did. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's okay. Do you, do, do you have a good bow story? Was there a good bow story from that one? Or no, I had a good or? Rick Leach story. Okay. Yeah. You know, he, he refused to shake my hand at Disneyland, which where most of the quarterbacks what? always have a photo session with yeah. Mickey Mouse. Yeah. And he wouldn't do it. He uh, felt like, and this is what I heard later on, mm-hmm. that he felt like he had been to the Rose Bowl a couple other times, got too caught up in the media attention, and uh-huh. didn't play well. So they had his center come, and be, who was one of their captains, be the guy that shook mm-hmm. my hand. So that really teed but, our team off. I bet it did. We, uh, we gave us a little bit more motivation. Oh, boy. <laughs> As if you needed any. Let's talk about the here and now. What is... Sports One Marketing that you are the founder and president of. What's that? It is my uh, marketing and entertainment business that I run. And uh, it's not a business where we represent athletes. We represent companies and corporations mm-hmm. that want to have more exposure into the uh, into the athletic or entertainment business. And uh, everybody's got different needs or different critical business issues when it comes to those two subjects. And we just try and find out what those issues are and map out a plan to kind of help them. Okay. And uh, let's get to this baby. This is something that you are passionate about. It's um, the Zenith helmet. The what Zenith is, helmet. What is this? What is this bad boy? What this is Zenith this? helmet is one of the new innovations in uh, in helmets in the league. And mm-hmm. you know all the talk about concussions and, and head injuries. Well, this helmet is proven that it can cut down on some of those injuries because of the way it's designed. And if you look on the inside, most helmets in mm-hmm. uh, in football, have some type of foam padding inside, or some type of air that you pump up with a with a pump. Mm-hmm. This helmet has like little shock absorbers that act like airbags around your around your skull. And there's like 18 of them in this helmet, and it also has this chin strap system that's that's uh, attached to it. So it makes the helmet have a much more snugger fit. Your head doesn't move around as much in the helmet, and you won't see the helmet flying off the head like you see a lot of helmets coming off of guys' heads today, mm-hmm. which I think, again, is going to cause some type of injury at some point. So the unique design of the, of the uh, helmet is what, what's good about it, but I think the most important thing is it's going to protect you, not only protect NFL players, but college players, high school players, and also Pop Warner players. My grandson, who's 10 years old, yes. wears one of these helmets and has for the last couple of years. So I feel safe that he's out there and well-protected. Right, and um, designed by somebody with three Ivy League degrees. Yes. Not just one, not just two, <laughs> but three Ivy League degrees. How many players in the NFL wear this? There will wear, be about 150 guys will wear it this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Rice just signed on as a spokesperson so he's probably the biggest name guy but there's a lot of guys like Matt Burke and, and others that are going to be wearing it and there's probably about 100,000 of them are going to be sold this year so the helmet is really catching on. I think the fact that everybody's so conscious about 
concussions and, and head injuries. Now mm-hmm. they're looking for the most safest equipment. Now, not what looks the best, not not what's lightest. All mm-hmm. those different things that players sometimes look for to get an edge. Right. This helmet and, and because of the way it protects people, I think you're going to see a lot more players wearing it. Zenith with an X, X E N I T H for all of our audio listeners right now. So, uh, do you have any issues with that today? I don't yet, and I I. Uh, I thank the Lord every day when I wake up that uh, I don't have any problems because I had six concussions that were diagnosed. And I don't know how many others I had where I just got dinged and and you see the birdies and then all of a sudden you shake it off and you're back in the huddle calling a play. But uh, it's scary to see a lot of the guys that I've played with or played against or in the Hall of Fame with suffer from some of the things they're suffering with because of head injuries that, that were caused by football. So. I don't know when it might hit me because the long-term effects are something that, that we're finding a, a whole lot more about as far as head injuries. And uh, I'm very, very fortunate that it hasn't happened to me yet. But That's why you use the word yet in that respect. Yes. And um, you have been working with the league on this helmet and this particular issue. Where do you stand on what the league's actions on this issue are where do you what do you well, I do love how you grade the league in that respect? <laughs> I love that, that Roger is making improvements in the game all the way around as far as cleaning up the game taking away all the, the late and dirty hits um, and making sure guys aren't using this thing as a weapon and going after guys you know heads because again we've seen what the long-term effects can be and we don't want another generation of guys walking around like some of these guys are today so um, I think what Roger's doing is great the more they can make the game safer is going to be better for the players long run I think the more they penalize guys or or suspend guys for for not playing by the rules is going to help. But I also think safe equipment is going to help. Not just helmets, but all the all the equipment that they use. But definitely the helmet because you know your head is a very very precious thing. Of course, no. But the, but the the other side of this, not that there's another side of the safety issue. Right. The other side, I mean by this, is that so many guys do get flagged and penalized right. after the fact for making an instinctive play Mm -hmm. that becomes helmet to helmet because somebody's bracing themselves for the hit and all of a sudden it looks illegal or becomes illegal, but the intent was never to strike with the helmet. And it seems every week in between games, Sunday's the game, Monday's Monday Night Football, Tuesday we start talking about what happened over the weekend, Mm -hmm. Wednesday somebody gets hit with a fine, Thursday and Friday we talk about it nonstop and then it happens Again, and somebody's blasting the league, <laughs> somebody's saying, put flags on right. him. And so that is, seems like it's a, not, it's a riptide that this league seems to be caught in. Where do you stand on that subject? Well, the part that bothers me is is they do make some wrong calls as far as some of those hits you're talking about where when a guy is moving, all of a sudden he's come in at a certain angle and that player going up for a catch moves to a certain degree and all of a sudden it becomes a helmet to helmet. Those things I think can be looked at a little bit closer when they when they watch the tape. It might be called a penalty in the game, but that guy shouldn't be suspended or he shouldn't be fined for that, you know. Uh, but there are some instances where guys do use the helmet as a, uh, a weapon, and those guys should be fine and penalized for it. So it's a, a, a real big gray area, and I, I think more needs to be done on the on the replay part of it, whether it's in the game or on Monday. I say to 15 sure. yard helmet to helmet calls should be reviewable. Yeah, I because think so. so many times, because the referees should not and be criticized. So they should not be criticized for erring on the side right. of caution. And they're going to do that, and I'm sure they've been coached They to have do been that. told, absolutely, yeah. right? I mean, so I think if you have the ability to replay it and see that the helmet actually struck a shoulder, actually mm-hmm. struck the peck, right. it didn't hit the other guy's helmet or even if it did hit the helmet what caused that to happen not if not the player was coming right at him yeah. and all of a sudden he turned but if that happens second. now the now the mike carries of the world are turned into like dancing with the stars yeah. judges i yeah. give that hit an eight i give that hit <laughs> right. a seven you know what i mean like now there's the gray area. to me it's just like i think it should be reviewable did it happen or did or it did not it intent you leave that up to the ray anderson's of the world right, right? and the carl johnson's right. of the world the art shells exactly cottrell's of mm-hmm. will handle that post fact but in the middle of a game first downs those 15 yards are huge it can huge. bail somebody out it can it could avoid it, it's it's sometimes it's it's like avoiding a turnover yeah, and their momentum shifters all that all that involved so yeah a better job has to be done at that part of it as far as i think instant replay would be great for helmet to helmet they hits. won't do it i've mentioned it to rich mckay it's a non-starter well 
they don't like to do a lot of a lot of changes that have to do with judgment of the officials. They want those officials to have that judgment, yes, and use that judgment, and they don't want to take that away from them. But sometimes that we're that we're human beings. You know I understand I mean? it. In split second, it's so quick. It's amazing they get ninety eight percent of it right. And the game is only you know? getting faster. It's only getting. faster. I see that at the combine every year. <laughs> The Only guys get faster. bigger. And you're getting faster at the combine. Thank you, Warren. <laughs> Thank you for noticing. Thank you for noticing. You are the man. Uh, is there a way people could find out about Sports One Marketing? Is sure. there a website yeah, or something? Yeah, they can go to our or? website, sportsonemarketing.com. Okay. And uh, that'll tell you everything about what we're doing, the, our philosophy, and, and uh, the different projects that we're involved in. So I think that's where people should go for that information. And if they want to follow me on Twitter. Yes. At WMoon1. At WMoon1, which is Warren Moon official there for those go. scoring at home. <laughs> and uh, and the, the Zenith helmet, X-E-N-I-T-H. You can Google Zenith. that, baby. Zenith.com. Zenith.com. You got everything about how the helmet was designed. Okay. Uh, everything about the, the designer, a guy by the name of Vin Ferreira, as you talked about, who's a Ivy League quarterback at Harvard and uh, has... Three, like you said. Three degrees. You know, as if one's not enough. (laughs) He's a very intelligent guy that had a lot of passion for for injuries in sports, and that's one of the reasons why he designed this helmet, and he did a really good job. Warren, I will see you in Canton. Great to see you, Rich. Thanks for having me on. The Hall of Famer, Warren Moon, on the Rich Eisen Podcast. This is a groundbreaking moment uh, for all the uh, football players that we've had on on this podcast and some celebrities, folks do movies, television, music. We've never had a punter. But Brian Anger, third-round draft choice of the Jacksonville Jaguars, as you know, I consider punters are people, too. Punters are people, too. Yeah, we, uh, my brother and I joked around driving up here. We wanted to bring a shirt for you. Did punters you really? people, too. That's so interesting maybe, that you would say that, yeah. uh, Brian. Um, but we'll get to that in a moment. Punters are people, too, Brian. And, I, I, I mean, the way you were, came into the National Football League was sort of a surprise to everybody. Were you surprised when you were drafted? Um, they're a little bit of surprise. I mean, usually punters fall in the fifth round or later or don't right. even get picked up at all. But, um, I had a few coaches telling me they had a third or fourth round rating on me. Um, okay. So knew that if someone wanted to take me, they'd jump up to the third to grab me. So and ended up happening. <laughs> it did end up happening. And, and, and in a draft where we knew luck was going one and, and RG three was going two, and we assumed Khalil and Trent Richardson would go three, four in whatever order. And it turned out to be Richardson Khalil. The fact that you got drafted, I sort of, I sort of, I sort of lost it. I don't know if you caught any of that at all. Yeah, but... I, I heard it. I heard it. It was great. Okay. Well, uh, I guess we'll just review it right now. Anyway, uh, the moment I, <laughs> I never thought I'd be replaying this with you here, but I'd love to. This is the moment when Brian Anger, who's here in studio, got got drafted. Roll it. The first eight receivers I had came off almost With like the golf. 70th pick in the 2012 NFL draft. The Jacksonville Jaguars select Brian Anger, punter, California. We've got a punter. Let me tell you something, people. Punters are people, too. And I want to see some punting footage. Give me some punting XO. Punting XO. It's a good picture. It's all right. Punting XO. Yes! What a kick! <laughs> Anger is a punter. He's a weapon. He's not a punter. He's a weapon. Just leave it there. Oh, yes! <laughs> Go ahead, Rich. Take the rest. I, I, want, it. I want this one. I want to know who fielded the ball inside the five Me on too. the fly. Hey, I want to know Sepul- who that was. Wasn't Sepulveda a punter from Cal? Yeah, no, no, Sepulveda was from Baylor. I'll just be quiet. I want Baylor. more footage. Punt it! But here's the thing to... Here's the thing to remember, Rich. East West Shrine punter. East West Shrine. And Mike, do you remember warm-ups? Yeah. Remember we were on the field yeah. warm-ups? Coach Billet, it's like going to batting practice and hearing that you guy. Come off the, that uh, one uh, guy, you know that guy where you go, that's just different? Yeah. I sort of lost Brian it. Anger at East West Shrine game, how the ball came off his foot. And I always tease I about a little bit special of love. teams, a lot of people but I spoke the three so. special oh, did teams. You're on my side. Oh, I'm well on your side. Yeah, I mean, I'm on your side, Brian, because punters – I'm t- I mean, you're sitting here in front of me. You're you're a person, and a lot of people really criticize them for taking you. And uh, people actually thought I was making fun of it. I was having I was having fun with it. You notice the difference yeah, between definitely. that, right? Having fun with it. And, and did you did you get a lot of people um, calling you up and out of nowhere that you hadn't heard from in a while? Um, and Tesk, I, I got a bunch of texts um, from random friends, but right. not not too many. Right, um, really? 
People aren't going to call you up or just say congratulations, you're a punter, or why is that? Because you're a punter? Do you really think that, Brian? Uh, they punter people too, right? I mean, no. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Let everybody know that, yeah. you know? But you have also, I mean, you were uh, only the second player in Cal history to be first-team all-conference in three consecutive seasons. Mm-hmm. That's no, you averaged over 40 yards a punt all year. What's it been like so far for you? It's been great, yeah. I had a, had a great time out in Cal. Um started four years in a row red shirted and started uh, right. had had great time out there fun career right. um and jacksonville's awesome uh couldn't really hope for a better place right uh, kickers love warm weather it's easy to kick the ball in warm of weather. course what was your draft party like where were you um what back in southern california my brother's house who's in here with me um lives in a little city somis um mm-hmm. so we had uh, probably 50 people over 50 people all the city people it's a close close knit how many people town. are in this city um uh, not uh, yeah i don't know uh <laughs> were they they were all they were all in your in your in your house in pretty my much? brother's house he's in got a brother's house backyard okay yeah, so. and so what i i'm i'm a little concerned which network were you watching we were watching ESPN, so yeah. Unfortunately, are we, you in a Time we, Warner household? Is your brother in a Time Warner household? Are you in a Time Warner household? What's your cable operator? Time, Time Warner. Warner. Damn it! You know what? We just got cable. We just got the uh, dish, though. So there you so go. We got the NFL. Now. That's uh, what you've got to do. Okay. So did people call you up and say that we on NFL Network went a little nutty? Yeah. Yeah, I heard about it. Uh, we went online, googled it right away. Right. Um, uh, my brother Mike went and googled it, and we hooked it up to the speakers and we're playing it playing out loud. So it was and, it was good. Okay, I appreciate that. I don't know if you know one of your uh, your teammates in Jacksonville. Um, what's his name again? Brockman, Austin Lane. Can you put that up right now? Have you seen this? No, I haven't seen okay. it. Okay, here's Austin Lane. He tweeted out the Monday schedule for Jacksonville Jaguar workout. Uh, Eight a.m. wake up. 8.30, eat slash protein shake. 9 a.m., tweet, uh, what is that, an, an inspirational quote using the words shine and grind. I like that. The 10 a.m., warm up, 10.15, workout, 10.30, Instagram photo of my abs in sepia tones with the caption, getting it. Uh, 11 a.m., upper body workout, optional Instagram pick, Instagram pick, 1145, more abs, 12 to 12, 230, arms, 3 o'clock, eat, 315, tweet people I'm eating, 415, call of duty. And I imagine that takes him all the way through to sleep. Sounds like a rough day, yeah. A two and a half hour arm workout. Is that is that something that sounds right to you? Um, I mean, you got to have some good, good arms for the ladies or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, do you do you do you know that workout at all? I think that's Austin's personal workout. Yeah, is we, that right? Oh, it's not. It's not a. <laughs> it's not a Jacksonville Jaguar wide personal workout. I don't think so. With that white white line paper, I think uh, <laughs> I think we have something a little better than that. Well, you, you you, I'm sure you've used you know the yellow legal from your your Cal days because <laughs> you graduated with a degree in integrative biology. Just a fancy name for biology. Yeah. What is that? Um. Biology. I focused on um, ecology side, so study of animals, um, mm-hmm. uh, more animal based research. Um, just, just a fancy name for biology. So you're a, a third round punter who's into into fish. Is that basically what it is? Uh, I enjoy fishing. I enjoy animals. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a passion I've had since since I was young. Okay. Um, so you're a marine biologist when you're not a punter. Is that what I'm, I'm trying to get the full <laughs> anger picture here, Brian? Uh, I'm just outdoorsy kind of guy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. hopefully I'll be a punter for a while and won't have to use right. any marine biologist stuff. But, uh, yeah, eventually I'd like to get into research. Um, just any kind of, I mean, I took a classic cow, a bird's class ornithology, okay. um, where we would, we would catch birds and nets and study them, take measurements, of their wings and stuff. So what? a little bit different. Yeah. But, uh, this is I what you're it. doing in your spare time in college. I only had a couple of those classes with, with football. It's hard to get, get into some of those. Okay. So, uh, so when you're not punting for Tedford, you're measuring bird wings. Is that basically <laughs> no, what just, was going on? I, I like to fish and, and, uh, okay. uh, I'm a fish and golf. Mm-hmm. Um, outdoors kind of stuff i mean i don't i don't go and do research now but eventually i'd like to get into okay that. all right well this is this is all good stuff brian anger i mean how do you learn how to punt 
How does that happen? Um, How'd you I, get into punting? I played soccer for like 11 years before before high school. Um, uh-huh. I played soccer, basketball, baseball, um, and started football in high school. So mm-hmm. um, I actually fought the idea of being a kicker. My parents, uh, I, I was going into my junior year, and um, my parents wanted me to, to go – uh, kick with this guy, Chris Saylor. Okay. Uh, he's kind of a kicking guru now. He has big national events and, uh, he lives in Burbank, which is 40 minutes from my house. And, uh, I fought that, I fought that idea. Cause I, I thought that, uh, kickers weren't real football players back okay. at the time. You didn't think kickers were real football players? I told players. my parents, I don't think kickers are real football players. Uh, my brother played receiver, and my other brother played football also, so I wanted to be a receiver. I, I thought I was going to play baseball. Okay. Um, so I went and eventually met up with Chris, and first lesson I went as a field goal kicker. Um, uh, my parents wanted me to be able to make uh, – or myself and my parents agreed that I, I should go and know what, I, and know what I'm doing out mm-hmm. there. Uh, if in case I need to kick a game winner or something, clutch situation, I need to be able to perform. Sure. Um, so I went there as a field goal kicker. wasn't that great. At the last 15 minutes of the lesson, Chris uh, asked if anybody wanted to punt, and I like punting a little bit better, uh, a little more. So I uh, I went and punted uh, for those last 15 minutes, and he came over and made a couple adjustments. And What uh, adjustment did he make? Just the a Eureka Brian anger punting <laughs> moment. What was this? Um, just some things with the drop. He wanted me to tweak my drop a little bit. Tweak your drop? The drop is 85, probably 90% of the kick is in the drop if you get a good drop. What do you mean? Let's get into the punting mechanics, um, Brian. What do you mean? The ball needs to line up to your foot when you kick it. If it doesn't line up to the foot uh, – you're going to get a nasty wobble. I guess that makes shank. sense, yeah, right? So, so 85% uh, of the punt is the drop. Yeah, if you have a good drop, then leaves leaves uh, uh, every you can do everything else right once you, the drop is really? in. If you can't, if you don't get a good drop, you can't get a good How kick. does one get a good drop on the punt? Um, what do you got to do? What do you got to do? For those kids out say, there who want to be drafted as high as Brian Hanger in the in National Football League one day. Yeah, for me, uh, I keep the ball like at 11, 11, 30. You know, if 12 o'clock is straight forward, okay. tilt it in a little bit, okay. and you want to keep it flat. If the you're right-legged, you're right-legged? right-legged okay. yeah, so. I'm sorry I haven't seen the punting exotape in a while <laughs> if I didn't know that off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Yeah, right-legged, um, right. keep the ball flat. Uh, your foot, when you when you strike the ball, is the, it's, it's pretty uh, parallel to the right. ground. So you want to keep the ball flat and turned in a little bit. Um, okay. And then just the distance that you have away from your body uh, depends and on it how just, long uh, you're do you, do you fully extend your arm before um, you drop the ball? Is almost. I have a little bit of bend in my arm. Okay. Um, uh, almost fully extended. Yeah, so. This is the most punting's ever been talked about. <laughs> uh, by the way, not just on NFL Network, I think maybe ever. It's just in terms of anybody in front of a microphone. I'm loving this because you didn't even know back in the day yeah. that punters are people too. Definitely, definitely. You needed to be your own convert, in other words, mm-hmm. back in the day, Brian Anger. When did you realize that punters are people too? Yeah, so the last 15 minutes, Chris made, made um, came and made a couple adjustments, and mm-hmm. I started turning the ball over, turning the ball over, get a spiral, um, started hitting a tight spiral, and hit it consistently. And Chris, after that, um, came over and talked with uh, myself and my parents and, and told me that I need to stop stop kicking, stop other things and just focus on punting because it's my future. And if I, if he had an event in, um, in Las Vegas, it's a big national event, um, has like a few hundred kickers out there, like kids coming from Australia, Europe now. Um, he asked me, um, if I can do it. And he told me if I come and, and do well in that, then I'll start getting attention from colleges and, and uh, things will blow up. And I went as an underclassman and won, um, one for the underclassmen. You won. How old were you? Uh, junior in high school. So I think that was January of my, my junior year. Um, mm-hmm. just a couple months. I went to him in, in October and, um, ended up winning it in the beginning of January. So, um, everything, everything blew up from there. Everything uh, blew up yeah. from there. Started getting, started getting offers and, uh, I never expected to, to be playing college football. I, I thought I was going to be a baseball player. I was right. pretty good at baseball. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a roller coaster. And then, um, at Cal had a good career. Uh, things blew up at Cal. Did it ever? Yeah. So there you go. Would you would you purposely hit the jumbotron in Dallas? Would you do that? I would definitely attempt it in uh, in warm ups. In warm ups, the games. I think you need to re kick it if you if you uh, if yeah you they have they have made it. that so rule. They don't want to do that. That'd be kind of frustrating. Yeah. Could you could you hit it? You think? Uh, I think I could. Yeah, I definitely could hit it. What's your hang time? Give me the hang time. What um, I, I get around five seconds. Um. Five seconds. Best ever hit a six oh oh flat. So yeah, that's that pretty that's, big. That's I, I could almost run a forty as fast as that <laughs> hang time. Almost. 
your hang time just nips me in the 40, just a little bit. Uh, well, listen, man, you are, you've got a career ahead of you. And um, it's funny. So you said that you and your brother were going to make up a T-shirt mm-hmm. and present it to me. Is that what you're going to do? Yep. Okay, but you didn't. I, I'll have to uh, make up for that. I'll, don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. You're gonna. Make I it. made up the t-shirt. <laughs> I made up the t-shirt. I made up a t-shirt that does, in fact, read. Oh man, I'm holding it up. <laughs> Punters are people too, and it has your name on the back. Okay, you can add whatever number nice. you want. Okay, on the so, I, but I wanted your name on the back so people could look back on anger. <laughs> As you wear this shirt proudly. It's perfect. You see what color it is, too? Yep. We went Jacksonville teal. It's yours. <laughs> I appreciate it. Because you know why. <laughs> the punters are people, too. You are not lying. Here, hold it up. Come on, man. <laughs> That's yours. We did, we went XL. Because, uh, again, I didn't read your the measurables from the uh, from the combine. But there you go. That's perfect. yours to keep, Brian. Here. I appreciate it. Wear that, wear that proudly. I will, will you please? I will. I mean, like, if I ever see you standing in a locker in front of a TV camera and not wearing that, I'll be very disappointed. Right. I'll be very, I mean, just like, hold on, but just leave it in the locker. You can work out, do whatever you want. You with might it, have obviously. to get a little patent on this or. Uh, I don't know. I might have to do that. Well, the funny thing is, you know, to make one, we had to like make 36. Uh, <laughs> so we'll be giving some away and, you know, if people want it, well, they can reach out, but. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, you got it. Thank you, Brian Anger. Thank you. I appreciate it. You are a person. I just shook the hand of a person and a punter. Third round draft choice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Brian Anger on the Rich Eisen podcast. Brian Anger. Nice guy. Great. Nice yeah, guy. That was cool. He, nice he said he lives about an hour away, made the trip down with his brother. Nice guy. Good dude. And I thought it was really funny. He was going to get t-shirts made. But he didn't. And didn't get around didn't. to it. But he didn't. We took the initiative. and <laughs> That's what we do here. And and uh, we have um, we have what they say, um, leftover initiative. <laughs> <laughs> are we, we going to give those away? Now we have a, inventory. Are we going to give those away? Yeah. Rich? Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Uh, they've got a follow at Chris underscore Brockman. Yes. Or... Um, at, or or me at Rich at, Eisen or at or Tofalo. at, at, at Tofu. Well, I mean, how many different places can we do this? They should probably just follow at the Eisen podcast. Okay, really, because right. that's the show right. at the Eisen podcast. Yes, or my Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's what you do: go to my Facebook yeah, page. We don't have access to your Facebook page. You do. do. All right. You do. Right. No, or you're get, you've got over a thousand followers on Twitter now. I'm almost at twelve hundred. There you go. I'm at Chris underscore Maybe Brock. when the sulk retweets me later, he can uh get me way okay. up high. All right. Um at any rate, so follow at the Eisen Podcast okay. and hashtag punters are people, people too. Or go to my Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Rich Eisen and put punters are people too. And we will select let's do five. Sure. Five at random. We'll do the uh, roulette. Yeah, next we'll do the week. roulette, we'll do and, the roulette then, and then week. if this works, you know, like I said, the inventory we've got, we've got mediums, I think, larges and extra larges. <laughs> Should we ask people to send in videos of themselves punting? No, let's not go that crazy. <laughs> Just simple. Follow at the Eisen podcast, hashtag punters are people too. Yes. Or go to the, my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Rich Eisen, and, and throw it there too. Great. And then we'll choose people at random. And um, uh, and then we'll find out what size you have and if we have any left. Are they only in the and teal? And if this works, or... if this works, if this works, we'll make more. What do we have for colors? Uh, no, we just did teal just for anger. Got it. Uh, black and gray. Excellent. Now punters are people too. Punters, well, they are. Let's be honest. We just saw it. I mean, he, I think he was a little nervous, Brian Anger. I think he was a little nervous. I think he loosened up. How many though. times has he had an interview conducted as a punter? Maybe never. I bet, I... never? This may be either either the first or the, or the second. second. Right. All right. I did like how when he was coming up, he didn't want to be a kicker because he he didn't think they were real football players, no. but he had to be convinced. Right. I love it. To go after it. All right. Fun times. Great. Thank you, Chris Brockman. Thank you, Rich. All right. That's it for this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Stay listening.